99.9 and Wausau 95.1 at WSAU. It is going to be a muggy one today. It looks like the rain showers have pushed through the region, but they are going to certainly leave behind some uh, humidity to go with our 90-degree readings today. So take it easy if you're going to be outside. I believe I've given Merle uh, enough time to hook up over there talking about the weather as he is uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks live in a studio. Good morning, Merle. It is good to be back. I swear I have a four-year degree. I swear. <laughs> and, of course, nobody would have known that I had forgotten to turn your microphone on if I don't point it out. Well, but... that's okay. I just try to make you look good. Exactly. Exactly. I swear sometimes I have a four-year degree. We already heard the disclaimer, so you know we are making financial sense here on this Saturday morning. As always, our fodder uh, in between is uh, just filler for your phone calls. So if you have a question for Merle, don't be afraid to give us a shout at 715-845-2155. Again, that's 715-845-2155. Well, I guess first off, Merle, late last week we had a lot of uh, a lot of information that was kind of sending things into upheaval. First off, we had Texas and Oklahoma announcing that they're going to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC. I don't know that that has any financial bearing on <laughs> Well, you know what's amazing is I love markets. sports, and I know what you just said, but I have to stop and process. <laughs> okay, how does this uh... You know, but if you ask me, you know, the new calculations of a P.E. ratio, now I got that part nailed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, but hey, uh, you know, we're talking about the uh, the Southeastern Conference, and I actually saw some numbers. And again, I know you're a numbers guy, uh, mm-hmm. some numbers last night. The Southeastern Conference footprint with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma will encompass something like 33% of the American population. And of course, that leads to a lot of TV households. Which in turn leads to a lot of money, which means uh, follow the money in the markets, follow the money in college sports. We all know what this move is going to be about. Oh, yeah, you find the money anyplace. You know, so what's interesting to me, I see all the stuff in, in sports with the uh, the kids, the college kids, getting some sort of the benefit of the cash. Yeah, the, the name, from. image, and likeness. And yeah. it's, it's interesting how this happens, you know, or, or what's going to happen with it. But I find it interesting. I see a lot of these young guys that are just, you know, working their cans off in college and the colleges are benefiting financially, and I understand they go to school, and I'm not saying there's mm-hmm. a right way or wrong way in here, but it'll be interesting to see how they benefit from that. Um, I think the most important thing for them, if we look statistically, you know, these young guys, they make it through college, they make a couple of bucks, maybe they make it to the NFL, but their tenure in NFL is, what, two and a half or three years? Four years is the uh, average. Four years, and so, well, so with say, it, education me. still becomes the best thing they can get, and boy, um, I think... Uh, you know, maybe they should do something to incentivize, you know, the old carrot in front of the horse mm-hmm. that, okay, you get all of this money through school uh, that you've raised for your character or likeness. If you graduate, maybe that'd be a good thing. I don't think you could do that, but boy, I think it'd be a great thing. For it's, these guys. Uh, there, there are, uh, in fact, uh, oh, first off, I should clarify what I said earlier. Four years in the NFL is when you get your, your uh, pension. That's your, your vested to get pension. Uh, in the NFL, but I believe you're right. The average career is probably closer to two and a half to three years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that is, of course, for those those middle-of-the-roster guys. And, and, and it's funny that I, I kind of bring this up tongue-in-cheek, but we're actually having a, uh, a good financial discussion out of it. The name, image, and likeness uh, is, is leading to some athletes, they say, in fact, I believe it's Alabama's quarterback, could be making up to a million dollars this year. And this is a freshman who has not played a snap yet in college, but is projected to be Alabama's starting quarterback. His name escapes me right now. I know the University of Colorado has had a full-time staffer uh, for about the last year just getting ready for this because these athletic departments now are going to have 
people, well, I guess, again, like you, Merle, who are financial planners who are going to help these student athletes to make sure that they say, okay, if you are getting uh, $50,000 in this, okay, here's where we are going to tax it. Here's where we have to do this with it. And here's where we should have you putting some of it away into savings uh, for later on. So these are serious discussions that are happening now within athletics departments. And again, Follow the money. It all comes back to these student-athletes being able to profit off their name, image, and sure. likeness. Well, you know, the, the, the dad in me and the financial planner in me comes out. You think about it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on you, Mike. So you're sure. an 18-year-old kid. You're my son, mm-hmm. gifted in football. And let's just use that for for uh, our, our sport. Uh, so you're gifted in support, uh, you, you know, sport. You're going to make a, a million dollars from your likeness and that kind of stuff your freshman year. Um, and as an 18-year-old, guess what you know about fame and money? Well, Nothing. And so now you put a million dollars in front of you, and guess what happens? It tends to screw up lives. And, I, and, I, and I, I mean, all of us, you know, my age, you know, and I'm uh, 36. <laughs> Sounds good saying that. <laughs> right. But, you know, we, we look at it. We've, we've seen us being old guys. We see what happens. Young guys get a lot of money when we're younger. And, and then they just turn into goofballs after a while and screw up probably their, uh, their career during college and probably screw up their possibility of getting into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so how do you curb that? Now you can't tell somebody who's 18 and say, well, you can't have the money because you're not old enough. Well, that you're old enough to vote and go to war and, and that whole bit. How do you not say that? But there's got to be some sort of a, um, a way in there to uh, lean it to them and said, okay, you're going to get this money, but the university is going to put it in trust for you um, uh, until a certain particular point in time. And you only receive enough money for your you know, livelihood and you that know, kind of stuff along the way exactly. so they don't turn into uh, overfunded goofballs and ruin their chances over a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. One of the things us older guys remember when we were younger um, is that uh, younger guys like to chase girls, and they'll do anything to chase girls and <laughs> spend as much money as they possibly can to chase girls. We all know this. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. And at 50, you know, soon to be 57 years old, um, I realized that uh, – well, you know, you still like chasing girls. You just can't do it as fast. <laughs> and my wife appreciates that. She can get away now. So Absolutely. Yeah. 715-845-2155 <laughs> is the number. We do have somebody on the line right now. Good morning. Caller, you're on Making Financial Sense. Good morning. Good morning. I have two questions, if I could, please. The first one is, if I assume there's going to be uh, inflation, not minor, but little more than minor, what arenas would you suggest I invest in, and would you be investing, and how would you invest in a little bit of Bitcoin? Okay. I'm writing these down so I can get both of them, okay? Thank you. And, well, of course, first if of you all, uh, understand Bitcoin, yeah. um, go go ahead and feel free to uh, let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah, here's, you know, here's one of the things. Let me tackle Bitcoin first. If you're going to put money inside of Bitcoin, you know, a bit, remember, Bitcoin is nothing. It doesn't. It's not a real thing. It's not a real entity. It's not a real asset. Um, Bitcoin is a computer program, so understand that. And people are investing in the computer program, and the price is going up and down based upon somebody's ability um, or willingness to buy or sell the coin from you. So, so that said, I recommend to people, if you're going to go into Bitcoin, put an amount of money that you could lose at a casino for the day and not whine about, okay? Make sense? So if you can say, well, geez, if I went to the casino and lost 500 bucks, I wouldn't like it, but it's not going to change my lifestyle, then maybe that's your dollar amount. And because it's just so volatile, we look at the price just from the beginning of this year to now, it's, it's essentially tanked after it went up so much last quarter. And so when I say, well, it's a buying opportunity. I said, well, based upon what? Because it still doesn't make anything, produce anything, generate anything. It's a computer program. 
So that's that's my recommendation when it comes to Bitcoin or whether you're using Dogecoin or any of the other ones. And, you know, so since uh, 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 Bitcoin came out, there's now some 5,200 digital currencies that are out there, including one, I believe, Mike, you told me that uh, Snoop Dogg, the rapper, Hot has coin, his yes. own his own cryptocurrency, too. So so, so just watch it. I mean, it, it's considerate a bet, and that's the best way I think you can get through it unscathed. I have a friend of mine that bought some uh, Ethereum um, uh, because his daughter from college says, Dad, you should buy some of this. And he, he bought $1,000 a couple of years ago, and he says, it turned out to be a great investment. I said, is it really an investment? He goes, no, it's a bet, but it turned out to be a great bet. And I said, well, take some money out. So I'm not sure if he did or not, but we'll see. So during inflationary periods of time, the things you want to look at are those things that are going to, of course, go up in price as a result of a rising interest rate environment. And so there's any number of places that have that ability, and then there's places to buy once the interest rates have risen. So, for example, uh, there's some things that are out there that are called um, floating rate funds or bank share funds. They tend to do well. And, again, I'm not giving a prospectus or a name here, sir. Um, but in here, they tend to do well because you have a rising interest rate environment. So what a bank share uh, a floating rate fund is, is you'll have a mutual fund company or an insurance company, and they'll loan money to corporations for a short-term period of times. So in here, banks will typically want to lend you money for five years or 10 years, but maybe a company only wants to borrow money for two years. And so as a result, they'll go to a mutual fund company and say, hey, can we borrow uh, $20 million for a year for two years? The mutual fund company will say, sure, and then they'll secure it with hard assets. So the loan is secured by actual hard assets like buildings, uh, machinery, et cetera, et cetera. So very secured loans. So as a result of that, then, if interest rates go up, they always have some sort of an escalator that if interest rates go up, they get a higher interest rate as well. And those tend to be very, very good investments when interest rates are going up. Once interest rates are up, then you start looking at bonds, and bonds become some pretty good investments. Because when interest rates go up, bond prices drop, and so you get to buy bond prices at a better value for the long term and hold in the caps of interest rate for the long term. So... I hope these things help you out, and uh, good luck on your quest. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. All right. Again, uh, he's, it's on the uh, phone lines at 715-845-2155. As always, our fodder is just uh, to fill time It'd be un- until uh, your questions come in. Merle, we do have uh, some other news on the markets this week, uh, another big close for the Dow. We'll talk about that coming up in just a bit. And, of uh, course, again, your phone calls here on Making Financial Sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. 20 minutes after 8 o'clock on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com. Overcast skies right now outside the WSAU studios. We've had some rain showers move through the region earlier today. A pretty spectacular light show early this morning as well at about 4 or 4.30 uh, and some heavy rain showers passing through the region. That's going to uh, leave behind some humid conditions for the rest of the day. So uh, do take it easy if you are going to be uh, outside today. We're making financial sense with Merle Kelch here on WSAU. As always, your phone calls are welcome at 715-845-2155. And uh, Merle, we mentioned uh, earlier another big closing day for the Dow this week. 35000 mm-hmm. Uh, is that a new record close? I'm not exactly positive. Uh, it is indeed. First time we close over 35,000, so it's a new record. A new record. We can yeah, see, yeah. continue to set these new records, uh, it seems like, on a almost biweekly basis now. And we've done it through, uh, through a couple of administrations. So, again, taking uh, all of the politics and things like that uh, into account. Are, are we to a point now 
where we're kind of setting a new baseline as far as some of these markets go, because it seems like things are just only going up and the uh, crashes that we've been expecting or the prolonged downturns haven't really come to fruition. You know, what's, what's interesting about this, I get this conversation quite a bit from uh, colleagues and friends. See, I'm not going to invest inside of the stock market because it's so high. So, well, why not? Because it's so high. Well, it, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a ceiling, and that's a, ma- a major thing to to remember here. Is you know the stock market? I think it should always continue to keep getting new highs. Well, what's the limit? Well, but whatever the limit might be, and numbers, as far as I know, are infinitely high. Correct. That is correct. So yeah. here's the reason we have to look at, and part of what we do. And what you should do as an individual investor is say, what's driving the market and do the numbers underneath the market make sense for it to be where it is? So if we take a look, let's say your home, for example, will your home go down in value? Well, maybe. Depends upon what happens in the neighborhood, but all likeliness, it'll probably continue to keep it up and your neighbors keep up their neighborhood and the neighbor, it should continue to keep having value and gaining value throughout the course of years and many years ahead. Maybe some years a little bit less than others, but It'll continue to gain. Why? Because you keep putting in the the work behind it to make sure it maintains its value and doesn't fall apart and start leaking and getting mold and all that kind of stuff. You're going to do the work along the way. And so the market is kind of that that same way. It'll keep driving forward as long as the work and the valuations of the companies and corporations underneath make sense. If the companies keep getting bigger and doing more business, um, that stock price will keep going up. And the indexes that we see, such as the Dow or the S&P 500, are nothing more than a collection of the valuations of the stock underneath. So as long as those stocks continue, or those companies continue to keep growing and increasing their share, their profits keep doing well, we'll see the indexes keep going. How long? Indefinitely until the corporations would stop. And then hopefully there'd be new corporations to come in. Mm-hmm. So in here then we look at, boy, this is going to almost sound political in a second, but bear with me. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so we look at it and say, well, what then drives corporations to become bigger and create new products and create new demand or supply a demand, uh, what creates that? And it's an economy um, that then drives corporations uh, to grow because the economy is set for companies to grow. So low interest rate environment, which we clearly have. Mm-hmm. Um, workers, well, we have some workers, we got to get them back. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, an environment that allows it so that corporations aren't regulated to death. Um, so that includes, of course, taxes, that kind of stuff. And so as long as we can continue to have an environment that continues to grow that, whether it's a Republican or Democratic type of a side, um, as long as we continue to have that, <clears throat> excuse me, corporations continue to grow, jobs continue to grow, and we then see the market continue to grow. So when we see the market reaching an all-time high, fantastic, that's cool, we hit a new high. Uh, my next question is, is, are the numbers there to support what's going on? And so that then becomes all the backbone of what we do is to look at that information and say, is the market there? Is it overpriced, underpriced? Where are we? Do we think it's going up and down? Where's the economy going? Um, so when the market goes, hits a high, we just smile. Will it go higher? Yes. Will it go higher tomorrow? No idea. <laughs> but yeah. but I bet if we look at it three years from now, it'll be higher than 35000 I'd be willing to bet a can of soda, which is my standard bet, that that'll be the case. <laughs> I, I, I'm very comfortable betting cans of soda or yeah, uh, anything like that, uh, you know, yeah. beers, whatever it may be. <laughs> well, that's uh, soda, just different ingredients. Exactly, exactly. And uh, one of the things that I'm looking at here that was kind of uh, – We are in earnings season. We've had several companies uh, give their earning reports. We've got uh, Apple, 
possibly having some news about uh, a new iPhone or some new features there. That always is something that drives the market. But what you talked about there is something I want to hit on next because uh, new industries and things like that that are driving the market. Well, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, back in the day when I was a young college student, would we ever say that, okay, one day we are going to see companies like Facebook, Google, and Snapchat giving earnings reports and driving the stock market based on online advertising 10 to 15 years ago. I don't know that that sentence makes sense. No, no. Nowadays, advertising juggernaut they've created. Yeah. Nowadays, I would say that that's something you have to keep an eye on because if people are spending money uh, into social media, as you mentioned with Bitcoin, Facebook, Snapchat, Google, those aren't Mm -hmm. things that you can hold. They have no physical value. You can't sell them, but that's pretty valuable because uh, that, that's a lot of eyeballs on one site right there. The, you know, what happens, and trust me, I think Facebook is amazing what they've done. Personally, they can drive me bleeding nuts from time to time. But Likewise. their marketing and advertising machine truly is good. Now, I'm the guy that, even though I go on Facebook, I block and I don't let them look at any of my stuff, and I don't want them to do that. And, of course, they're collecting some data no matter what anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they found out that I apparently love Iron Maiden Hawaiian shirts because I bought few. <laughs> And now I get every advertisement for every band possible, <laughs> Hawaiian shirts. Right. So if my wife's listening right now, she'll find out that I'm actually bought Iron Maiden Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> that I still haven't gotten yet, by the way. So, so you know, so their advertising from that standpoint is fantastic. And so if I want to advertise, and I've done this a little bit to help out a friend of mine. Um, so I've gotten in their advertising. And literally, you can pick the zip code around where your office is, where your building is, where your home is, wherever your place is. You can pick the zip codes around it, and they'll tell you how many people are there, how many people you're going to see, and they'll nail it, and you can boost it based upon this. And they have the Facebook University to go through to this. It's just really is amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. So from a marketing standpoint, it's just absolutely fantastic, some of the best I've seen. From a social standpoint, I think it's a real pain in the can. Um, but um, uh, from a marketing standpoint, it's brilliant what they've done. I, I can't uh, say that they've not done one heck of a job. And as others, as, as Twitter's and other selling advertiser are uh, out there. So we look at it, if you're a business right now, uh, you have to be using some of these platforms today because that's where your generation, my generation, is going to and seeing things. You know, not so much the, uh, uh, the, you know, the 70s and 80 years old too much, though my mom did say she wants a Facebook account at 80 years old. Um, but, um, but from it, the, the marketing is tremendous. And who knew about Facebook 10, 15 years ago? It, it wasn't there. It didn't exist. And now it's a multi-billion dollar company from an advertising standpoint. Again, created in a dorm room at Harvard University by a gentleman that does not hold a degree from Harvard University. Like Microsoft, Oracle, you know, go right down the list. The same thing, just from people with great vision. Mm -hmm. And again, you are uh, two cents worth of uh, free advice from this show if you haven't gotten anything else already. (laughs) Uh, If you are getting something like that for free, which Facebook, Twitter... All of those things are MySpace was back in the day. I believe Merle still has a uh, a MySpace account. I probably do. <laughs> uh, you are what's being sold. Oh sure. You if you are what mm-hmm. is being sold to the advertisers. There yeah. is no such thing as completely one hundred percent free. It is going to cost you some sort of personal data, your shopping habits, uh, your oh, yeah. internet search history. Something like that. So it's a matter of what you are uh, are comfortable with. Sure. And then corp- and then companies are all, all interlinked. Um, you know, I can look for a uh, birdcage. I don't have birds, and I'm not looking for a birdcage. But I could look for a birdcage on eBay, and all of a sudden it'll start popping up on Facebook. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just amazing how that 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 technology happens. I don't like it. It bothers me because I don't want that. I, I want to be able to just look at what I want to look at. I want to be able to read what I want to read. I want to be able to investigate a product or service or, that I want to have. But to see the technology they have going back and forth is really impressive to me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to like it, but it's impressive to me. Exactly. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We'll take a quick time out for a check of your local and uh, regional news headlines. And we'll have more Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch coming up next. 834 on this Saturday morning here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. Overcast skies outside the WSAU studios on our way to a daytime high of 90. Uh, rain showers pushed through the region early this morning. Looks like that is going to leave behind some muggy conditions as well. Merle, did you, were you up uh, early this morning to see the uh, spectacular lightning show? I was not. Um, I had a face full of CPAP and ah. uh, was out. Um, you know, it's kind of funny as I was listening to the uh, uh, the disclaimer there. Yes. And as I'm listening to it, I'm like, God, that sounds a lot better than the last one. I said, and I'm just kind of smiling to myself. Um, I had some people from, you know, who've been listening to the program for a long time come to my mm-hmm. office last week. Sure. And so we meet for the first time. He said, huh, we thought you'd be younger. And that guy has a pretty good joke. So he said, and better looking. Uh, maybe thinner, too. I'm like, oh, 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 who did you think I was? You know? you know you know what we call this? We call radio theater of the mind. So, yeah, well, yeah. It, uh, I mean, you know, it tells you you're doing your job. You know, for the longest time, folks, and I haven't said it in a while, I'm the best-looking man on radio. I mean, just mm-hmm. look. You know, it's just... Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, so we... you know, one of the things we had, and I just want to touch base upon sure. this. You know, this this past week we saw the market just drop down a week ago. You know, we came down some thousand points over the course of the last couple of days and we just made that back to a new record high and so we look at this and and some things that have triggered that are like some of the biggest and oldest things from investing that came around for a long time which is buy on the dips you know so we were down some one percent and we came back right away so you would have had a one percent uh, price when you dropped down more importantly we look at why did the markets drop and we talked about it last week saturday a little bit and it turned mm-hmm. out to be what was true and basically, we had a mini panic because of face masks and COVID. I actually heard this statement. Somebody said, oh, well, COVID's as bad as it ever was. It's just going crazy. And I said, no, it's not. They said, well, no, well, that's what this person said. I said, they're wrong. I said, well, why is that? I said, because, you know, at the peak, we were having 250,000, 300,000 um, uh, people a, a, a day getting COVID. And that's not even close to that right now. So it's not as bad as it ever is. Um, so then, as we had talked about last week, Saturday, and I'm not saying that we were brilliant, we just said it, and if it came out for us the week, oh, well, uh, it's it's spreading between those people who don't have vaccinations. Yeah, exactly. Guess mm-hmm. why they're getting it? Because they don't have vaccinations. Um, even a, a friend of mine who uh, had not been vaccinated uh, got his first shot this past week. So, you know, as we look at this stuff, and it, it comes going to come down to some particular point in time where a certain amount of preservation, is self-preservation is going to pop up. And maybe we're at that particular point in time now which says, okay, um, if you don't have the vaccination and you get sick, you're going to get sick, but we're not going to have this big you know, craziness and uh, uh, hysteria going on because you're sick with COVID when the vaccine's sitting there. If you choose not to take it, you're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's what's coming. But so as people came around and discovered that 98% of the people that are in hospitalizations right now are, um, um, have, are not vaccinated, 99% of the deaths that are happening right now are non-vaccinated. People say, well, you know, maybe I should get vaccinated, especially if you're 50 up. Uh, this should almost be a no-brainer. Now, the one thing I've been trying to find and I haven't seen yet, I've only had a couple of whispers of it, is 
if you had COVID, um, um, how were your protections as a result of there? There were some real good studies that were coming out of Israel from that. And then, of course, the little war they had with uh, Hamas started going back mm-hmm. and forth, and I haven't seen anything as a result, where they did some bone marrow tests uh, popping up to see what the um, antibodies look like there. And they looked at if you've had COVID from a bone marrow test, but again, very few studies on this. Um, uh, it looks like you're as, uh, as, as good as a person who's been vaccinated. So we'll see how that comes out, but that may play a, um, a part on some of the unvaccinated that have maybe already had COVID. And I think that's a different classification. Mm-hmm, indeed. And, and of course, this is a discussion that uh, obviously has become very, very charged, very, uh, very political at times. But I, I think what it comes down to is the bottom line is some of the uh, lockdowns and things like that, business closures that we had were to prevent the hospital systems from being mm-hmm. overrun mm-hmm. because they were overrun. Absolutely. And now the vaccine with the vaccination and, 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 rates. And, and, and I got carried away like anything else. but yeah. <laughs> Right. But now with the vaccination rates being where they are at, we aren't at risk of having the hospitals overrun the way we were before, which right. is why I think uh, you're not seeing some of those things come back. Well, you're seeing them come back in some certain areas, but uh, but not in others. We aren't seeing the nationwide push for it yes. like we were well, just about uh, 15 or 16 months ago. Well, you know, the panic in the marketplace came through and says, are we going to shut down the economy again? That's where the panic came through and dropped mm-hmm. the markets. And the answer is no, we're, we're past that. Um, I don't know that we're necessarily still in a pandemic or if we're now inside of an endemic, which we're coming to the end of it. My opinion would be is we're kind of at that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see how it necessarily comes out. But um, we can also see that we're the, <clears throat> pardon me, where the biggest um, uh, hotspots are is also where there's the least amount of vaccination. So Wisconsin, we're seeing very little because we're, we're pretty vaccinated up here. We did a pretty good job in Wisconsin. 51% or so, yeah. so far. And yep. uh, you add to that the people have already had COVID. Um, I would certainly uh, lead to believe that we're already at the herd mentality or herd mentality, uh, herd <laughs> immunity. Um, uh, we're already there. And uh, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But mm-hmm. um, I know it seems like the vaccination rates are starting to boost, or at least from what I'm reading. People are saying, well, maybe I need to get the shot. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And, uh, and like me today, I am uh, going to be at a jam-packed Allianz Field later tonight to watch Minnesota United against the Portland Timbers. That is something that uh, certainly could not have happened uh, one mm-hmm. year ago at yep. this time. Definitely something that uh, that I'm looking forward to. I just may sanitize my hands after I high-five a stranger after a goal. Well, that's not necessarily a bad idea at all, anytime, <laughs> COVID or not. Exactly. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm of the generation when you go to the bathroom, you don't touch anything that's not attached to you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call. I think on that note, uh, that is a uh, good time to uh, <laughs> ask for uh, some callers. I believe we have one on the line right now. We'll hit that button right there. We'll hit that button right there. Good after or good morning, I should say. You're on making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. Morning. I'm in the uh, construction business, and uh, I, I'm concerned about fuel going much higher. How can I hedge uh, fuel costs for my company? Boy, um, get better mileage. I, I don't know an answer for that yet. You know, I think there's some things that are coming down the, the, the pipe that I think are going to make it better for the fuel cost. Um, I've got, you know, the big truck, in, uh, which just loves fuel. And uh, so I'm in the same place, and I'm not in the construction business, but so I'm I'm with you. I, I watch, uh, um, uh, you know, oh geez, what's the uh, the app? 
uh, gas uh, gas buddy. Gas buddy. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. What, what's your name, sir? Uh, Richard. Uh, Richard, okay. Richard, there's an app for your phone if you don't have it called Gas Buddy. Um, and, and this app is very simplistic, very easy. And, yes, uh, they're going to advertise if you want to buy a burger at Wendy's because I get that one on a daily basis. But um, in here, um, it doesn't do anything as far as to buy into futures contracts, which you do have the availability to do. You might have the ability to go to some version of a co-op, co-op wherever you are in future purchase, what your fuel payments would be. And I'm not sure it's a good idea at the moment. I'll talk about that in a second. But this little app called Gas Buddy, um, for example, I take diesel in my truck. And there is anywhere between a 20 to a 30% difference on fuel prices for my diesel if I go to gas station A or I go to gas station B on the other side of town. And usually the spread is between six and eight miles. And if you fill up, you know, with me, it's, you know, it's 36 gallons on my truck. I fill it up. And if I'm low, it could be a matter of six or seven bucks per fuel t- for, a, for a tank of fuel. That adds up over time, you know. So so I'll use this app and this Gas Buddy app. I'll go through and say, okay, where's the best diesel prices? And I'll drive over there and fill up just purposely because I can save a few bucks. And why not do that? So maybe that'll help you, Richard. But the thing that we saw is OPEC this past week said they're going to start increasing um, inventory. They're going to start making fuel prices, or I'm sorry, the amount of fuel come back up. Um, the reason we saw such a big rise in fuel prices wasn't because we stopped the pipeline. The pipeline didn't have any fuel coming through it anyway. The reason it came up so fast is because we were not using fuel. Inventories were huge. And now we started driving again, so it dropped the inventories down. Of course, we started using the fuel. Prices went up. So now OPEC said, well, we're going to start selling more gas, and so that's going to alleviate some of the pressure worldwide, and we can start using some more. So we should see prices start coming down. Uh, probably in the next month or so. It usually takes a month after we see a wholesale price, I'm sorry, a wholesale uh, increase of production come back up. And so that part of it I hope works well. Um, otherwise, Gas Buddy's a real nice little uh, tidbit to, to find there. Um, and Appreciate uh, the information. Okay, and, and maybe if you need to, I think if you buy a yeah, futures, futures contract, contract on it, um, what's going to happen is you're going to end up buying and guaranteeing a price that might be higher than what it is right now uh, with uh, OPEC just starting to uh, increase production. And I know one other thing uh, that that at least I look thank for. Thank you, Richard. Yes, thank you for the call again. By the way, uh, we what I always look for is I, I've found occasionally you're going to find uh, gas stations that are closer to an interstate could be a nickel to six or seven cents higher than gas stations that might be on the other side of town. Sure. Just because sure. they know they can pull in the easy traffic from the interstates and make an extra nickel or two for every gallon of gas and maybe even make an extra 20 cents on the uh, bag of nutter butters that you end up buying for the, uh, for the road snacks as well. Uh, so that's one thing I always look for. And uh, in my vehicle as well, I always try to fill up with uh, E15 whenever I can as well, because that's going to be about three to five cents cheaper uh, than sure. the, than the standard. And I also have friends that work in the ethanol industry. So I'm also okay with, uh, with supporting them, but that's if your car can handle it. Right. I, uh, I find with diesel, with I'm around my office, which is uh, the central part of Wausau, um, that's the best price to buy diesel, oddly enough. And uh, by my house in Weston, <clears throat> um, we have diesel out there, and it's usually 20 cents more um, per, per gallon. Um, and that's right around the corner from my house. And they've got the trucks coming in and out of there. And I'm saying, aha, well, the reason they're doing it is because they're selling so much because of all the industrial park and so forth. So they're taking a little extra profit, you know. God bless them. That's capitalism at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of that is that, you know, with free choice, 
I get to go to the gas stations that's cheaper. Exactly. So thank you, Gas Buddy. <laughs> so this show brought to you by Gas Buddy. At no, least, uh, at least today's show. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll get the sales department to work on a uh, on a long term contract yeah, for that. Perfect. Uh, he is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense here on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSAU and online at WSAU.com. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. Uh If you don't like me, good news is you're, we're going to turn you over to Tom <laughs> King for the foreseeable future starting next week. Well, you're uh, more attractive. I'll go ahead and take it. I'll go ahead and take it. It might be the best compliment I get all day. Yeah, I'm not sure if Tom's listening, but uh, there you go. So, folks, we get some opinion pieces that pop up, and Mark Holbert is – Actually, uh, before we get into go, that, we, we do have another caller okay, on the we'll line that, that has just flashed up. Uh, good morning. You are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Good morning. Yeah, good, good morning, is it Ron. How are you guys doing? Morning, Ron. Good, doing fantastic. Good. Hey, just a quick question for you. You know, we got all the different sectors of the market, you know, large cap, mid cap, small cap, international. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, the market, uh, where the market sits now, just which one is, are they all doing about the same or is there one that's kind of outperforming the other? Well, what's interesting about this, Ron, is the proper way to think about this is we have to buy them all. Yes. Okay. Um, so study after study have been done, and, and mo- much of this is through modern portfolio theory, through Harry Markowitz. And Merton Miller. That's going to be in the quiz. Did you write those names down, Ron? Okay. <laughs> so, sure. so, so in here, what they found is that if you take a pie chart and you take a look at where all of your return comes from in a portfolio, 2% of it has to do with trying to buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell. That's 2% of it. 4% of it is if my large cap is great and your large cap is stink and, and Mike's large cap is even better, we're going to take his. Well, they're all large cap, and so they're all going to behave about the same if we put a few years to them. They might have a bunch of difference in the first six months or a year or so, but after three or four years, they're all large cap. They're all going to start behaving about right, about the same. But where they find 94% of the rate of return comes from, um, uh, based upon their studies, comes from that diversification of small, medium, large growth value international, just what you exactly said. But it's that mix that gets us that rate, rate of return and helping to get our best rate of return, least amount of risk, which all goes into modern portfolio theory and, Efficient market frontiers, I'm not going to get into that. So when you say, which one should we go into? The answer would be all of them. So you want to diversify and get the money spread around. Now, within that category, there's more volatility in your small and mid caps. Okay, So they're going to bounce around the most. Um, So which one is probably going to grow the most over the years? The small and mid cap. The dangerous part about that is, if you think about it, if you're 40 years old and you have a lot more inside of small and mid caps and they go up, great. They went up, you made the most money in there, you have a big smile on your face. But now you just made more money in the thing that had more risk. And so measurably, you just created more risk in your portfolio. If you're 40, that's fine. If you're 70, not so good. So you have to have the ability to say, okay, should I have small and mid caps? Well, probably, but a small percentage of the portfolio. And if I make a bunch of money out of them, well, we'll take some money out and we'll allocate it someplace else so I'm not driving the risk of the portfolio up. And when you do that, it's really weird. What ends up happening is you end up selling something when it's high and you buy something when it's low. That's weird, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's just strange. So, so Ron, <laughs> <laughs> long story uh, to get there. But uh, which is the best place to be? Um, well, again, the volatility is going to be in your small and mid caps, and that's up to you to decide or chat with a financial professional. But the key here is to make sure you're buying all of them. You should have them all. Okay. Um, because what happens is when one's doing good, the other's going to do worse. 
and the two together averages out your rate of return and then uh, effectively essentially go through and you rebalance every once in a while that forces you to take some profit and put some stuff someplace else that may not be doing so well where you're selling high and buying low. It doesn't matter where, you know, just being at the small and mid are more volatile. Uh, your percentage between the two, because uh, you just have a smaller amount of the small and mid. You're you know, hitting it right on the head, exactly. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of studies that are out there, and I'm not telling you anything that you should prescribe and do, so please don't take it like this. But okay. um, there are studies that are out there that say that your small cap shouldn't be much more than 5 or 10% of a portfolio because they're so volatile. Uh, mid caps may be going up to 15 or 20%. And so then that leaves the rest has got to go to large caps and mid caps. Remembering you have growth and value orientations. Um, but but uh, you shouldn't be taking a small cap or a mid cap portfolio and making it 75%. I mean, that's just going to uh, it's gonna get you whipsawed. Okay. Okay. So I that's hope some of this helps where, That's where it all comes with rebalancing then, I guess. You got it. You got it. Right. You're, you're pretty close. You're doing a good job on this, uh, Ron, and, and knowing okay. about diversification. Well done. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. Again, uh, and you kind of hit something on the head right there as well, something that was told to me right away when I first started doing and throwing money into the 401k and things like that. You get those statements every quarter, and okay, it's like uh, like playing the lottery. What did I gain this month, or what did I lose this quarter? Somebody told me, don't even look at that right now. For somebody Mm -hmm. like me anyway, I was about 27, 28 years old at the time. I said, don't even look at that statement because – Right now, it's going to be, you know, it might be so volatile. You might lose seven or eight hundred dollars in one month. You might gain nine hundred in the next. Just keep putting money away into yeah, it. Keep yeah, investing yeah. because that's going to even itself out over time. And don't get too high or too low with the ups and downs. Um, I always like to make the joke to clients. The clients say, "Well, I like to look at this stuff every day." So, well, you do that, you're going to have heart attack and die. You won't need the money. You know, just just because. <laughs> It's going to drive you crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, and so uh, I'll have people say, well, how often should I look? I said, how about once a quarter? Just look at it once a quarter. Let mm-hmm. me know what's going on. Because the daily swings um, can be crazy. We just saw it with this past week. Mm-hmm. And we saw a one-point swing back and forth because um, COVID started, and, you know, cases started popping up. And it whipsawed it because people didn't believe, well, the market's falling apart. We're going back in a lockdown. All that happened instead of an incident. We had a big knee-jerk reaction, both up and down inside of the marketplace. And we don't need that. When you're mm-hmm. getting ready for retirement, get ready for retirement. If you're retired, be retired. Mm-hmm. So uh, that said, I think we got a couple of minutes. And I want to chat about this sure. for one second here. So uh, Mark Hilbert, who we uh, we follow his stuff on here because he's got some really good and, and uh, insightful opinion pieces. So we use them. We use them with Tom and, and Mike. I know you've referenced them from time to time, too. And the other thing out there about for price-to-earnings ratio and a P.E. ratio. So a P.E. ratio is if you simply take the, the price of the stock and divide it by the earnings, it'll give you a number. And so many people will say, well, geez, um, I don't like the P.E. ratio because it's too high. And my next question is compared to what? And then most people go, uh, you know, because the P.E. ratio for a car manufacturer is going to be different than a P.E. ratio for a um, computer manufacturer because the price to earnings are just different. And, and their, their peer group is, is what you have to look at. And so with it, um, there's an article that pops up. Mike Hallberg, Hallberg is saying that you know, the P.E. ratios um, are not as accurate as we, we think going back over the course of the years, and we can't use that as an indicator for buying and selling stocks. And, and I look at this and I tell people, um, it never has been that way. It's always been an indicator to let us know how it is based upon its peer group. And so many people miss this. And so if you see a P.E. ratio that's a 17, you can't say whether it's high or low, 
but you have to say how is it compared to its peers. Um, and so then you have an indication of that price is higher low compared to its peer group. And from that, it gives you more information on whether you want to dig deeper within that company. So in here, which is interesting, is a couple of really smart guys, and I'm trying to figure out which university where they were at, but uh, they went through and said, well, if we take a look at this, uh, it turns out to be Thomas Phillips, an adjunct engineering professor in New York University, and Adam Cooper, the managing director of investments at NYU, uh, came up with a formula to say, well, if we can take a look at the price of earnings, uh, let's take it the last three quarters worth of price. I'm, I'm sorry, price divided by the last three quarters of the earnings, and we'll average it, and it'll give us a better indicator, and it does. Uh, reason being, of course, you have companies that their earnings are going to be higher around Christmas for obvious reasons uh, than they would be, say, inside of summer. Um, and so they add a little bit of a, a trip to it. And so it's a great article that was out there if anybody has an interest. It's called The Price-Earnings Ratio is Flawed as a Stock Market Indicator. Uh, this is how to make it more accurate. Well, it's not not designed to be an indicator. It's designed to see how are they doing compared to their peer group for price to earnings. But we'll go from there. You know, now you're actually kind of speaking my language. You're getting into the saber metrics of this. I I understand that as a baseball fan. I just don't understand the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> so if we want to have a discussion about uh, about whether a stolen base should be added to slugging percentage or not, maybe we can do that next time. <laughs> we go. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll be back and wrap things up after this. We are at 8.58 here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com. Merle, we got just enough time to uh, say our goodbyes. I'd say we've had a successful show today. We that went, was a great show and a lot We of went fun. from uh, everything to deep into the stock market to the economics of uh, of college sports. I'd say we covered everything. We, we got it pretty much done, and a little bit of politics in there just for fun. Exactly. So, you know what, folks? Uh, uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure over the course of the last number of weeks. Absolutely. We uh, hope to do this again coming up. And so, folks, if you want to stop in and see us, stop in at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau, Wisconsin. Stop on in for a cup of coffee, kick the tires, say hello and hi. Um, you can also find us or give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, toll-free outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100, or find us online at keltonassociates.com. And as always, the coffee's going to be on there, the cookies are going to be out, and, uh, and you'll find some good conversation as well. And maybe even with me. And maybe exactly. <laughs> Merle, as always, it's been a pleasure. Again, we will look forward to uh, to chatting next time. Who knows? The next time we chat, uh, Kansas may be in the Big Ten Conference. Who knows? There we go. He's Merle Kelch. I am Mike Leishner. We always appreciate the time here on Making Financial Sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Don't forget to join us later today. Brewers baseball is coming up at around uh, 535 for the pregame coverage. First pitch just after 6 o'clock. It's a batch of a first-place teams in the AL and NL Central, the Brewers and the White Sox. And uh, later on this weekend as well, we'll conclude the series with Sunday night baseball Sunday night. So uh, stay tuned for Brewers baseball Sunday night, not outside of its normal uh, Sunday afternoon time. News headlines from Fox News Radio and your polka party with Jeff Hines are coming up next here on AM 550, FM 99.9 and in Wausau 95.1 WSAU.